0: Welcome to the Behind Their Business podcast, the show that's peeling back the curtain and showing what's actually happening behind the scenes of running a business. I'm your host, Steph Blake, and each week you'll hear from women at all levels of business who are showcasing their stories of struggle and triumph as they juggle business ownership with day-to-day life. Join us to hear inspiring stories and strategies for starting and growing your own business. Hey everybody, Steph Blake here, and I am so glad that you are here for this week's episode. As usual, it is going to be amazing, so you are in for a treat. But before we dive into that episode, I want you to join our private and 100% free and supportive community, for business owners to connect in called the Competent CEO Community. So if you have not joined us yet, here is your invitation to come and join us. Each week I also do a live training to share my best tips and tricks for scaling an online business the easy way. We talk about strategy, team building, mindset, tools, automation, and everything in between to help you confidently step into the CEO role in your business. So you can go to confidentceocommunity.com to join us today. And now let's dive in to this discussion with our incredible guest. Welcome back to the Behind Their Business podcast, or if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Today, our guest is going to share about her journey from the Peace Corps in Kazakhstan, to public service executive, to accidental entrepreneur. So you can imagine that there's a lot of stories that she can be sharing about her career and how it's evolved over the years. But after her, after she was in the Peace Corps, like I said, she served in the public service when she got a master's degree and eventually became that accidental entrepreneur and never looked back. So we're going to hear it all and can't wait. But in her business, our guest is the founder of Women Conquer Business and Epiphany Courses, and she helps small business owners simplify and systematize their marketing. So please welcome Jen McFarlane.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing so well, and I'm so glad for you to be here. And I can't wait for you to dive into your story. So. Let's just do it. Let's start with the Peace Corps. Why did you decide to join? And what stories can you share with us from that time in your life? And how did you evolve to where you're at now? I know you had the master's degree, worked in public sector. So take us on a journey. Tell us everything.
1: I am that person that you're like, you wait, you did that too. <laughs> like there are sometimes people are like, wait, what haven't you done? So I one of my closest friends in college went into the Peace Corps. And she lived in Bolivia, and this was, I mean, I think now if you're a Peace Corps volunteer in Bolivia, you probably have internet, but but it wasn't too long ago when you didn't have internet there. And so we were writing letters, and I think I was one of her only friends that just kept writing letters, and I was so curious about what was happening while she was there like people would go on strike and so she would have to figure out what she was going to do next you know when people aren't working then it means that she couldn't work and i mean she just had all these great stories and all these great projects and i was like well i want to do that i want to do that and yet at the end at the same time <laughs> when i was in college a week before graduation at a kegger party that i crashed i met my husband well he wasn't my husband then but he became my husband <laughs> and so then you know we accrued all this debt and for a bunch of different reasons we didn't go right away so about i don't know five years after i got married my husband and i went into the peace corps together because he was like he loves to travel too he'd been in the army and done some traveling all kinds of stuff so we were like we had had careers i, I was a graphic designer i had done marketing and he's an attorney and we just said ah we're gonna go to kazakhstan <laughs> because it's where married people go like if you're married that you're a unit you know the two of you have to go someplace together and it was i mean it was crazy right i mean i live in oregon now but at the time i lived in tempe outside of phoenix arizona and then we went to kazakhstan it's like part of kazakhstan is just i mean it's it's siberia (laughs) you know so like we basically moved from one of the hottest places in the country to like Siberia and they don't have centralized heat. I mean, there's like all these crazy stories about how cold it is there and all the adjustments to that. Um, But what's really interesting is, you know, how kind the people were and how much different culturally that was and how much I was able to grow as a person by just getting rid of all the creature comforts, getting rid of all of these assumptions I had about the world and about people and just immersing myself in this other culture because Peace Corps is like two years. So you have a lot of time. It's it's different than a vacation. You know, in a vacation you can have these cool experiences, you can meet some people, but then you're like, Oh, I'm gonna go back to my life. And like, you know, a two-week vacation, even a month, you're you're not gone long enough to really forget about your own life <laughs> you haven't missed anything you won't schedule a vacation when it's your friend's wedding you won't miss anything but in two years a lot can happen at home you know and you're gone long enough that you forget some things when you come back and you're fully immersed in this other culture in this other place and things happen that are crazy that <laughs> you're like what? <laughs> what is this? And it was like every single day, something weird would happen. And I would say that from the time I was in Peace Corps until this day, I'm still a big believer in naps. We started taking naps because we would get so overwhelmed. It was like the only way that our brain would kind of go and reset. So like when the pandemic started, I was like, oh, I guess I guess I have to go take a nap. Like I hadn't really taken naps for a long time, but I kind of knew what to do. Like when all of a sudden we were on lockdown and quarantine, my husband and I seemed to do it. Okay. Cause we were, we lived in a one room apartment in Peace Corps. We knew what it was like to be, you know, around each other all the time. <laughs> and we also knew that when everything was taken away and it seems really weird, if we took a nap and woke up, then like our brain could manage it a little bit better. So you know, it's it's things like that. <laughs> like, that when you have a, an experience like Peace Corps, that it helps you navigate the world maybe a little bit differently when things go sideways. And I think that even now, like when I work with people or when I worked at the city or you know, through it all, I think I'm just a lot more grounded because I've been someplace where, like, I just didn't get it. Like, every day I didn't know what was going to happen. <laughs> didn't know. When we moved there, we didn't know anybody except for each other. And it just kind of changes who you are fundamentally. And that's why I think everybody should travel. I think everybody should get out there and do things that are not in their comfort zone because it makes you a better person and it helps you navigate uncertainty, which is what we live in every single day.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I mean, they, that there's a reason that quote exists. The what's it, the best things happen outside of your comfort zone or something along those lines, right? Yeah. yeah. But I am dying to know. You said weird <laughs> things happen, so I am dying to know what these weird things are, and if you can share about the work that you did over there. I don't know. I don't know if there's like some confidentiality thing if you're allowed to share about that or not. But I would love if you could just kind of give a, a few lines about what what you guys did while you were there.
1: Yeah. So we were teachers. Uh, I would say and I learned that I like to teach nerds and what that means is (laughs) I like the people who are invested and I think that's why like I have epiphany courses now like I teach people who are invested in what they are doing so my husband just loved teaching he loved doing all the lesson planning and all you know and he didn't really care if the kids paid attention or not but I don't like teaching the kids that are like I mean, it was like, I would always joke, like, I felt like some of my students were just sitting in the back. And of course, they weren't actually smoking, but I felt like they were just sitting in the back smoking, like, whatever, lady, get out of here, you know, and, and like, that was hard on me. I did not like it. So I was the one who had English clubs, and I'd go teach at university, I was just teaching everywhere. My husband is also a musician. And so what he did was he had the secondary project where he was in a rock band and it was like the coolest thing ever. Like they went to like the, in Soviet times, so Kazakhstan is a former Soviet country, and people don't know is in Soviet times, like every town had a factory, every town had a cultural center, and like all this infrastructure, and that's part of why the Soviet Union collapsed. You can't sustain all of that. It's very expensive to have these like Ornate plans in like the smallest village. Our village had like 6,000 people in it. There was no reason for like a huge theater and all this infrastructure. But the theater was still there, dilapidated or whatever. And I still have like the video and the pictures of my husband playing a rock concert in this hall, you know, and all the kids are just like, ah, you know, they're just going crazy, you know. And it's like he got to be a rock star in Kazakhstan, you know, and we still tell these jokes, like, yeah. I'm- I'm pretty big in Kazakhstan, you know, like because <laughs> it's just kind of it was just kind of fun. And we were like rock stars. That was kind of the weird thing. Like we were we would always kind of have this monologue going where we'd be walking through the village and it's like, well, what are the Americans doing now? I don't know. Let's follow them and find out. Because like we were in a goldfish bowl for like two years where everybody was just <laughs> like curious, you know, and so they teach you in Peace Corps to just kind of you have to be willing to roll with it. I mean, the people who left were the ones who didn't like being followed everywhere and didn't like all the questions and didn't like everybody paying attention to you. But we were like, yeah, it was it was interesting and weird and fun to like be this kind of it's not even like the center of attention. It's almost like you're a sideshow because everybody's kind of like, like, what are they gonna do now? They're so strange. It's so different, you know? Um and and so so you kind of it's kind of weird, this weird self awareness, um, but it's also kind of cool. Like in this weird way, it's it's straight. It was strange to come back and be like, "Yep, nobody cares about me now." Come back to just just being Jen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh my gosh, um,
0: I'm cracking up. That's so funny. I'm big in Kazakhstan. You should like get that on a shirt.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like a. It should probably be like a bumper sticker on my car. I'm big in Kazakhstan. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Probably the weirdest thing I think that probably when I was saying yeah I'd like you know I'd like to be on the show like the weirdest thing that I think I was thinking of is how I met my my best friend host country national. so like somebody from Kazakhstan how I met her would probably be considered kidnapping in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> so we lived like I said we lived in this village and. <laughs> And we would walk like, I don't know, it was it was a long way. I want to say we walked almost three miles to school every day. Like we were living with a host family and we would walk three miles each way to like, I know I sound like, and it was uphill every way and the snow and the rain. In the snow. <laughs> it, really, it really was three miles. And there was this one day where my husband was up ahead of me and I had to stay at the school to do something and he he was already home, and I didn't have the phone number. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers, like, because that just wasn't an option, right? And I'm walking along by myself, and it didn't happen that long. This was, like, right after we had gotten into Kazakhstan, you know? So, like, I'm sure, like, as much as we stuck out, like, we stuck out even more. And I'm walking along with my backpack. Nobody has a backpack. I'm walking along, bah, bah, bah And this lady's like, Jennifer. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> i like, hello and she's like like she's like waving at me like come here come here come here here." and I was like what am I doing you know and I just like so she like basically like coaxes me into her home from the street like it's kind of like all these alarm bells in my head are going what are you doing don't do this you don't know this lady and yet here I am and she's like I'm gonna my I, I understood enough to know that what she was trying to say is that some relative spoke English but, like, I didn't have enough Russian skills yet to realize that, like, that person wasn't at the house. Like, we were going to have to wait. <laughs> so, like, basically, I go and I'm sitting in this person's kitchen. And this person grabs, like, starts, like, cooking and cooking and cooking. And, like, grabs her phone and is, says all this kind of stuff in Russian and that I don't understand. And it turned out that her niece spoke English and it was kind of like I got the American in my kitchen you got to get over here (laughs) get Rehan over here you know and so so I'm sure that she was like she had to get dressed and had to get makeup and you know and then had to like race across town (laughs) to like come see me and so this really shy Kurdish woman is like sitting across the table from me and I'm like hello and she's like hello and just stares at me (laughs) and then her aunt comes and brings all of this food and we just sat there and we ate and we didn't really say much because I think I was kind of like I don't know what I'm doing here and the girl is like oh my god it's the American you know and like so (laughs) so we're just like hanging out you know and and it went on I mean this was like hours right and then like I'm walking home afterwards and it was fun it was great it was Bizarre. And I get home, and like (laughs) everybody thought they lost the American at the house. (laughs) Like, so my husband's like, Where were you? And I was like, I don't. I Got kind of kidnapped, like, and I was in somebody's house, and I don't know, I didn't have the phone number for here, I couldn't call, you know. And all of a sudden, Mama, we still call her Mama Demira, like, comes out and she's like yelling at me, I'm, like, I have no idea what she's saying. <laughs> I'm looking at my husband, he's like, Well, she's been very worried, <laughs> we've all been waiting, you know. And I was like, Well, I didn't have the phone number, you know. And so, I'm like looking in my Russian dictionary, kind of piecing together, like, I don't, I couldn't call, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and then, but I think they were just scared, you know. So, that is how I met my best friend <laughs> like who oh gosh, I then hung out with a lot for two years but like can you imagine like in America <laughs> like somebody being like hey hey lady come here and you're just like oh okay sure right. no problem right. like
0: there's gosh. a reason that your parents tell you not to go by the creepy man, <laughs> the man with candies. <laughs> or a table full of food
1: <laughs> but like that was the thing like if I had said no, or if I had been rude or whatever, like I could have, I would have missed out on this like whole. Well, first of all, that's a great podcast story. Second of all, <laughs> like meeting this wonderful person who we then spent like hours and hours of our time with, you know. And then once they got to know John, like John was invited over as well. But like culturally, having me be alone so that it's two women alone talking and speaking English that worked, you know, um, because she was Kurdish it's a Muslim family they don't know my husband like they don't know if they can trust him but they can trust the woman so like like it all worked out you know like in that culture and then you know and then by by the time we left like John was like their brother you know I mean we were just kind of like these almost like family you know they would take care of us we would take care of them and so I kind of remember that like after starting my business, after coming back and, and, you know, like that sometimes the most beautiful experiences happen, like by taking these weird risks, those times when we think like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, or you think I should really say no, but like you have that little, like little spidey sense that says, well, but what if I didn't? And sometimes that's, I think the biggest things that happen, right? Like, oh my gosh, absolutely.
0: Absolutely! Oh my gosh, yes. Whenever I get any kind of like, even if it's like the smallest inkling, I'm like, okay, I have to do something with this. Okay. I have to, and it turns into the be the best thing ever, right? So yeah, that's oh, that's such a good story, and I was dying laughing when you. I had to mute myself, or else I would have just been so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> laughing over you, but that was amazing. So okay, so you're in the Peace Corps, and then what happened after that? You left after your two years. Did you stay longer than that?
1: No, after two years, we were ready to come home, and yeah. it the readjustment was hard. You know, when you live and, like, you know, we didn't have a TV, we didn't, you know, like, all kinds of stuff. We come back and, like, I mean, it was a long time before, like, I could look at a restaurant menu and not get totally overwhelmed. So, like, things that you take for granted, because, like, we would go to the, the restaurant, which would be, like, a little cafe, and, like, they'd give us the menu, and, like, <laughs> but n- they never made any of the stuff that was on the menu like so you'd go in there and if you looked at the menu they'd be like we don't have that we don't have that and so you just put the menu down you'd be like so what do you have and they would tell you and then you would just pick you know so then you go and you come to america and imagine like a i mean any place has a ton of stuff on the menu like but cheesecake I think that factory we, that's what i was just gonna say <laughs> our in-laws took us to cheesecake factory and it was a binder and i just was like and i remember just like setting it down <laughs> And looking up at the person and saying, what do you like? And like, yeah, that's what I would order because it was just too much. Because after being someplace that it just, it was so different. And, and I remember being like really scared, you know, and because it was just, even though it was, I mean, I'm from here, I was born here, you know, Um, and seeing like, you know, talk about such a contrast, like, you know, some people see Muslim women and they get scared, you know, I saw Muslim women and I was like, oh. I'm safe here. This is a good place for me to be, you know, because it was what I was so used to after two years, you know, so it's it's and they were so kind to me and they took care of me. And, you know, I had this whole different experience, I think, than what, you know, maybe at at the time society said or maybe what other other people may think, you know. And so it really shows that when you go into something with the cause of friendship and love and, other people are showing you that same thing that it really just shifts your whole life perspective and but it all kind of starts with that over openness to like go into the adventure and, and do things so I came back and I was like what do I do with my career now you know and my husband's like well you like projects I think you should do projects so I ran a nonprofit and and it was cool um but then I was like I'm gonna go to grad school I'm gonna do more because I wanted, honestly, I wanted to make more money. <laughs> so I, then running a nonprofit was going to pay me. So I went into grad school and then, um, yeah, I ended up working in like tech project management uh, for the city of Portland. Everything always had some sort of marketing bent. I think it's just what I'm <laughs> born to do. Um, but I wasn't doing direct service, I was working in this large organization. I was doing all of these big projects, I was leading big teams. But I didn't have any direct contact with people. And, like, you know, I just told you this whole story about Peace Corps. It was all about people. And even though we were working on huge projects and it was affecting, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, like, it seemed very abstract to me. And I just started talking to business owners. I had all these friends who had small businesses And I realized that I could help them and that it was a much more gratifying experience for me. And I recognized that my job wasn't a good fit for me. And so everything just kind of came together. But it wasn't really necessarily like this big plan of I'm going to go start this business. It was more like, oh, they need me. Oh, okay, cool. I I would rather help individuals and do this than make these big changes that are in the abstract that I didn't really see the impact on like that one-to-one basis. So it's maybe like the opposite of what sometimes happens. You know, people make these decisions and they're like, I wanna affect millions of people. Well, I I wanna affect millions of people, but I wanna do it in a way that I can see faces like and and do it in a different way. And that's very much what I've done since. Um, But yeah, I mean, I fell into it accidentally. And I think part of it is just paying attention to what's out there. I think these things happen a lot and we don't always see them for what they are.
0: Yeah. I love that. When people tell me that they're an accidental entrepreneur, those are my favorite stories because it's like, this is clearly the route that you were supposed to go down, right? Like you didn't have another option. It just just kind of happened, (laughs) right? right? It just fell into place. Now I know that you also started a second business on top of this too, Right. So you, you had this first business that you were doing and then you just were like, hey, let's start a second business. Hey, this is going to be really town. easy. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so w- what happened? W- what ha- what happened? Yeah. Like you were doing you were doing your you're running your first business. Things are going well. And then at what point were you like, just start another one? Why not?
1: So a lot of that came out of the pandemic. So when I started my podcast, The Women Conquer Business show, and it still is very much a how to podcast and it always has been. But when I first started the show, I was approached by a company that said, "Can we repurpose some of these episodes and and use them as lessons on our other platform?" And I was like, "Okay, <laughs> sure." And then and they're like, "And we'll pay you." And I was like, "I don't even I've never heard of you, whatever." Okay. And then so I took a bunch of episodes made the edits that they wanted and um send them kind of forgot about it and then they're like well where do we send the check and I was like what else would you like (laughs) like and then so I just started like making all of these lessons and then and the amount of money became enough you know and it wasn't always podcast episodes some were just things that topics that I wanted to cover that I started to think well why am I not selling these lessons myself and when the pandemic hit and marketing was so uncertain, I, I, it's kind of hard to remember <laughs> that back in March 2020, a lot of people were like, "I'm just going to pause my marketing for a while and wait this out." But that's what a lot of people did. Like everybody thought that this was going to last like a couple weeks, <laughs> a couple months, <laughs> you know. And so, like in May of 2020. When you help small businesses and you do marketing, like I, I and I have like all these contracts and people sending me clients, like that dried up and I was like, Well, what <laughs> what am I gonna do? <laughs> so then I was like, Well, I I know that I make money if I create lessons and send them and to this company. So I just went all in on that and I started making all these lessons and then like I said, the amount of money came coming back in these like residuals for just recording lessons and sending them off. I was like, I'm only getting like 12%. So like, how about if I like create a platform and just start putting them somewhere? And that's how Epiphany Courses was born. It's really just, you know, people who, I say it's like big hearts, small wallets. They can't afford to hire me to do the work for them, but I'm happy to like have a community and have classes and talk to people and guide them through stuff. And, and the marketing that I do is very much... I would say it's the opposite of like a bro marketing. I'm teaching people the fundamentals. <laughs> I'm helping them through the things that they often have questions about so that they can advance their business in a way that is sustainable. And that's really the, the work of Epiphany Courses. It's kind of really just an extension of uh, my marketing consultancy with small businesses.
0: I love that so much. And I love what, what was your titling? You said small pockets, big hearts, big uh, hearts, small big,
1: war- big 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 hearts, and small wallets. <laughs>
0: big hearts, small wallets. I love that. I love that. That's because it's clearly showing that you're focused on making an impact, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, and I, love- and I like to help people so that they, I want them to like go to the big firms, I want them to grow. Like it's not, like, for me, it's like, I want them to, to learn stuff so that they don't get in with a marketer that doesn't have their best intentions at heart. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. really what my my intention is, is like, I want you to learn. And then if you grow beyond me, cool. Like, I'm not, I don't have like any of that craziness about it. Like, there are tons of people out there. I just want you to avoid the people that are just going to take your money and leave you without a business.
0: Because, Mm -hmm. and unfortunately, there are too many of those people out there. Too
1: many of them, yes. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So, what types of people do you work with in Epiphany course? Is it small business owners? Is it people who are working in other companies who are like running marketing departments or working in marketing departments?
1: I mean, certainly people with marketing teams could come and take classes. They are general enough for that, but it's really service based businesses not people who have inventory and products in general. Um, and I mean, probably because it's an extension of women conquer business, it tends to be more coaches, consultants, um, service based businesses that are are growing. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of the courses over there are just, like I said, fundamentals. so they really apply to anybody who's starting a business, if you have a question about something. And all of the classes are really short because one of the complaints I have is like, why would I take a 16 hour course and then get to the end and be like, I don't even want to do this. This is dumb, this isn't going to fit me. And so all the courses are like an hour or less. A lot of things are like 20 minutes. We just want you to learn and then execute. So everything is based on, that's where that project management master's degree comes in. You know, it's like, here, go do it. Like, you know, this isn't, you know, I'm not trying to like sell you into my consulting services. I'm trying to teach you something so that you will apply it if you think it fits your business. And here's how to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. I am all about implementation too. Like don't spend 10 hours watching something and then do nothing with it. You know, that's, exactly. I think that's the worst thing that you can do. And I have spent, honestly, I don't even know how much money, way too much money on courses where that's exactly what I did. If I even got through them, let's be honest. Exactly. Um, So yeah. I love that that's what you're focused on right now. Simplifying and systematizing all about that. It's amazing. So this has been great. I'm sure that you could share so many other stories with us, but I like to keep these episodes short and concise. And I've just been laughing the entire time through this. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Thank you for sharing your stories with us. And if somebody wants to connect with you, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: Uh, I'm all over LinkedIn. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm also in your group, so um, you can also engage with me there. So, um, yeah, I've I've really enjoyed being in your Facebook group, and and I'm also, like I said, on LinkedIn. So, yeah, hit me up. Let's hang out.
0: Great. Thank you. The group she's talking about is the confidence CEO Community. So, we'll link to that below and yeah, definitely reach out to Jen. I'm sure that she has many more hilarious stories that she would be happy to (laughs) share with you and go check out her podcast and her course platform as well. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, Jen.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Behind Their Business podcast with me, Steph Blake of the Blake Collective, which is a female-led company focused on helping online entrepreneurs start and scale their own businesses. If you or someone you know would make a great guest for the show, we would love to interview you. Visit our website at BehindTheirBusiness.com to submit a short application and learn more about the show and how you can support our mission. If you enjoyed the show, we would love for you to share it with a friend or a loved one too. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Thank you again for listening to the Behind Their Business podcast.